Welcome to the Thought Leadership Project, a podcast by Jay Harrington and Tom Nixon, exploring how lawyers can turn expertise into thought leadership and thought leadership into new business. Welcome to the Thought Leadership Project podcast. I'm Jay Harrington, and joining me today is Heather Stevenson. And Heather is the general counsel at Red Cell Partners and formerly a vice president and deputy general counsel at Boston Globe Media. Heather, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me, Jay. Yeah. So I, I want to kind of get started by digging into your background a little bit. Um, so, as I mentioned, uh, you were previously with Boston Globe Media in house private practice before that, and um, now a GC at Red Cell Partners. But there's one uh, pit stop you had in your career into entrepreneurship. Um, and I you posted about this on LinkedIn this morning, and I, I thought it was a really interesting and insightful post, sharing some of the lessons you learned through that experience. Um, can you kind of just talk about that a little bit to get us started, which I think will help um, give people a sense of, uh, you know, just how you ultimately ended up in in-house counsel role. Absolutely. So as you mentioned, I started my career, you know, in in big law. I was at Sullivan and Cromwell in New York, terrific firm, but long-term was not where I saw myself. Um, When I imagined looking back as a retiree on my career, I didn't think that I wanted to have spent 40 years there. Um, And so, you know, as I was exploring what to do next, I thought about kind of all the options, whether I should try and go in-house, go to government, go to a different firm. And there was kind of this um, just interest that I had at a time in my life when I could afford to take risks and my husband and I could both afford to take risks. We didn't have a lot of responsibilities, no kids yet, no mortgage. Um, And so we actually opened a juice and smoothie bar. We had been in New York and moved to Boston to open the juice and smoothie bar. And um, the goal was, 10 locations in 10 years. It was called Thirst Juice Co. And it turned out to be a really terrific learning experience. Mm-hmm. Um, I was doing all the things. So I was, you know, doing our financial projections, our budgeting, our marketing, a lot of our legal work, although we had outside help too, and some days actually making smoothies. Um, and it was great, but I ended up realizing that the problem for me had been the environment in which I was practicing law more than the law itself. Um, Over time, I missed kind of using my lawyer brain. And so after only three years of running Thirst, I ended up going in-house to the Boston Globe, as you mentioned, and continuing to kind of run Thirst on the side with significant help from a manager. Um, And yeah, it was a terrific experience. And I think one of my big takeaways that I shared on LinkedIn, when we think about risk-taking, is that it's really easy to assess the clear potential upsides and potential downsides of a new opportunity. And we also realize there are potential downsides that we haven't thought of sometimes when something feels scary, but we don't always realize there are potential upsides that we haven't thought of. And for me, uh, one of those upsides was that first, let me really understand what it's like to be the business person. So that now that I'm back in house, I have a better understanding of how my business colleagues are thinking, what they need, how best to support them. Um, And I look at my role as a lawyer really differently than I did before. Yeah, I like that a lot. It it reminds me of something Tim Ferriss often talks about, which is, you know, he, he looks at risk taking through the lens of, you know, I, I'm willing to take risks um, that I can't, I can't truly fail at. And what he means by that is, 
you know, it may it might work out. You know, you might have some sort of traditional or conventional um, realization of success, but at a minimum, whatever you do will be a learning experience, right? That you uh, that you benefit from down the road. So I think that's kind of a reflection of what you're talking about there. And I think another point that um, is worth highlighting is just what you know, your story, certainly my story. Um, many lawyers have very um, various and and sometimes numerous iterations to their career too. And you know, I, you don't need to just be in a silo, get slotted into one thing, and think that that's the only thing you can do or um, you know are capable of doing throughout your career. So um, I don't know. You know, you probably at this point, having been with a couple different organizations, tried your hand at entrepreneurship in private practice, you probably are, I, I met, would imagine you're comfortable now thinking, you know, I can, I can transition and, and adjust to many different environments. You know, I absolutely am. But what's funny is when I started my career, I had this incredibly clear plan for what I was going to do. Starting from when I graduated college, I was going to go to teach for America for two years, which I did. I was going to go to law school right after that, which I did. I was going to go be an associate, which I did. And then I was going to clerk, go to the U.S. attorney's office and go back as a partner. And I didn't even want to do any of those things once I'd <laughs> been um, in a firm for a few years. But yeah, now that I have done a few things, the idea of change in various environments is actually kind of exciting rather than scary the way it used to be. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Um all right, so I'm going to put a two-part question to you here about your experience in-house. Um, first is, what are what have been some of the things that you've really liked about working in-house, um, and and maybe contrast those with a private practice experience? Um, and then the second part of that question is, I know you know from talking to many lawyers, and it's just sort of conventional knowledge that um, there are there are many outside lawyers or private practice lawyers who have certain misconceptions about what it means to move in-house, right? And the, the classic, like, oh, I want to move in-house in because I won't have to bill hours and maybe I'll be able to work a lot less. Like, I don't know what your experience has been, but I feel like for many, that's that's a misconception. But so maybe you could speak to that, um, you know, as well as your own experiences and what you've really enjoyed about being in-house. Sure. Yep. I absolutely love being in-house. As soon as I got to the Boston Globe, which was my my first in-house job, it felt like I had kind of found my professional home. And I was like, ah, this, this is how I want to be a lawyer. So some of the things that I really enjoy about being in-house are um, getting to be really part of the business and the business decisions. When I was at a law firm, I was a litigator. So it's admittedly you know, different than being a corporate lawyer who might get to participate in some of those early decisions, but um, helping to stand up new ideas or projects um, and figure out not just how to mitigate risk, which is part of a lawyer's job, but also how to use your ability as a lawyer to kind of see around corners to spot opportunities, business opportunities that the business people might not have spotted is really exciting and really rewarding. Um, I also love working with a variety of smart people who are differently smart than I am. So in a law firm, I worked with a bunch of really brilliant people, many of whom are much smarter than I am. But we all had kind of the same type of way of thinking about things and the same strengths. In-house, um, Red, where I am now at Red Cell, it's, it's such a variety. It's so cool to see you know, people who are really great at engineering and marketing and who understand just things that are um, not how I think. I don't have the same background, but it's also that I don't, like my brain doesn't work the same way. And that's exciting. Um, and then also I really like um, 
thinking about decisions and advice with the understanding that I'm going to have to live with it. I think it makes me a better lawyer. Um, and I think it leads to better collaboration between me and, um, you know, my, my in-house colleagues slash clients than necessarily always happens with law firms. And it's not that law firm lawyers or private practice lawyers don't think about the future when they're giving advice. Of course they do. But if they don't repeatedly live with each piece of their advice because they're not there, I think sometimes they don't always see you know, the long-term results of their advice. And, you know, to some extent that's on the client to educate them, but here, the way it is in-house, I'm kind of naturally seeing those and living with those um, long-term. And I, I think that's a great thing. In terms of misconceptions about being in-house, the, the working less one is an interesting one. Um, I do work less than I did when I was at Sullivan and Cromwell, but I worked a lot. <laughs> Yeah. When I was at Sullivan Crumb, you know, I was I was a junior associate. We were on these huge litigations, and I was doing um, lots of doc review. So I would do all of my substantive work during the day, and then batches of documents at night. And this is not at all a knock on that firm. Um, I think everybody was doing that in the 2011 to 2014, 15 time period. Um, so I'm wor- I'm I'm working less, but the idea of oh, it'll be a nine to five or that you're not always on call um, is an interesting misconception. I've had a lot of law firm lawyers say to me, oh, but you know, now that you're in-house, you don't always have to be on call for your clients in the same way. And actually the opposite is true because there is one general counsel um, right. compared to many law firm lawyers and their partners who can pick things up if they're away. So that's one big thing. Um, and then... Another, I think, misconception about being in-house, although I think this one is kind of on its way out, is that the lawyers who go in-house are kind of less good at their jobs and you will therefore work with less talented counterparties. And that has not been my experience at all. I think people are going in-house for all sorts of reasons and it is no longer what you do when you don't make partner. It's something that partners are even trying to do in many cases. Yeah, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Um, so let's let's transition and and talk about uh, a topic that I think will be interesting to many of our listeners who are in private practice and looking to build a book of business and looking to serve clients. And um, so you've obviously, I'm sure, had experience both at, both at Boston Globe Media and at Red Cell Partners working with outside counsel on various matters. Um, and so I guess to start, um, what what do you look for in out, outside counsel? Like what, what makes for a good trusted advisor, you know, who's serving, um, you know, your, the business you're at and your team and, and you individually? Like what are the, what are some of the things that you're looking for from your outside lawyers? Yep. Um, you know, I, I look for some of the same things that I think make a good in-house lawyer, mm-hmm. um, such as I want them to understand our business enough. They don't have to have the same level of understanding that I do, but enough to uh, be able to see the potential complications or consequences or benefits of their advice. Um, you know, I, I look for people who are truly expert in what they're advising on. If they are not among the best, then I'd rather not use them in most cases because I'll do it myself. Um, 
or, you know, use a alternative legal service provider for the, the simple work, but, you know, mm-hmm. actually being really, really expert in their subject matter is great. You know, responsiveness matters. And I know there's been all this debate recently about, you know, how, how long does a private practice lawyer have to respond and what's the appropriate length of time and like, should a should sleep almost. Um, yeah. And, you know, I just want somebody who is paying attention enough that if I say this is urgent, I get a quick response. Um, I actually appreciate those outside counsels who seem to like have lives and be human because I think they end up being a lot more pleasant to just talk to. Um, They're happier. And I would rather be working with people who seem to be satisfied with their lives than people who are grouchy. Um, And I want people who are really thoughtful about how they're using the firm's resources to support us. So Red Cell is a venture firm and incubator. So when people hear venture firm, they think, oh, lots of money, but also we are a startup. And so we are very cost conscious. And so I don't want a partner doing something an associate could do, but I also don't want a junior associate taking 10 hours to do something that a fifth year could have done in one or whatever it is. So, you know, being thoughtful about how they're delivering services is really important to me as well. Yeah. And I don't know, this may be embedded in the answers you just gave, which I think were great and and very interesting. But, you know, if, if we're thinking about, you know, the various ways, I'm sure you get, you get approached, you get outreach from different lawyers and law firms sort of pitching their services. Like what, what have you seen as, as effective and perhaps not effective when it comes to actually, you know, you're you're you know you're you're in the market. Obviously, you're a buyer of legal services. Um, you you probably have a, a stable of firms or lawyers you work with. But like, if you're being pitched or someone approaches you uh, to develop a relationship, like, what are what are some do's and don'ts from your perspective? Um, so this may be obvious, but actually figuring out what we do before mm-hmm. approaching us, um, I think red cell is harder to figure out than some companies just because we are doing so many things. Um, Having a unique perspective when they approach us. So we get approached by a lot of really terrific firms, um, big, expensive firms. And in those cases, the question is always, what can you do that our current firm Mm -hmm. isn't already doing well? Because I, you know, I'm happy with them. And if we can do do better, I'm happy to move some business. Mm -hmm. But um, you know, just saying we have like the best lawyers and we're really great does actually doesn't do it for me. Yeah. Um, you know, LinkedIn actually is kind of how we ended up hiring our trademark counsel. So we had been using the same firm to do all of our trademark work that does a lot of our other work. And we have some basic trademark work that's, um, you know, Filing trademarks, it's it's not a particularly, it, it didn't need, um, you know, $2,000 an hour lawyers. Right. And um, I met somebody through LinkedIn. I first knew her from just, you know, commenting on each other's posts. She is terrific. And so we started by giving her a couple of trademark applications and um, she did great. They got through and that's where we go now. So, you know, building that organic relationship, if you have time is really Mm -hmm. great too. I actually had started getting to know her when I was at the Globe and then didn't move the work obviously until I was at Red Cell. But those are some of the things. Yeah, no, I think those are, those are great. I mean, those are, 
sort of core best practices as far as I'm concerned. I mean, what I heard was really, you know, before kind of pitching what's great about your firm, uh, you better figure out the business of of the uh, the prospective client that you're approaching, right? I mean, it's otherwise it's not contextualized and and it's going to fall flat. I mean, that's critically important. And then really playing the long game of relationship building um, is key. I mean, broaden your broaden your network, uh, get to know people on a personal level to some extent. Um, over time, as you build trust and you deepen that relationship, it it has the potential to at the appropriate moment uh, to develop into a professional one uh, under the right circumstances. So, I mean, the, you know, we oftentimes say like this stuff is not rocket science. Um, it's basic sort of uh, relationships and um, kind of just trying to add value to, to those relationships in, in various different ways. Um, so thank you for, for sharing that. Um, speaking of, of LinkedIn, um, you know, I, I think, Many lawyers think of it as like, all right, I'm going to either, you know, use it to get a job if I need to, or I'm going to use it to, you know, create content, which hopefully leads to new business opportunities, um, you know, to build my practice. But obviously, you know, now that you've been in house, and I, I think, unless I get the timeline wrong, like you, you become much more of a prolific content creator since you've been in house. Um, Correct. If, if I'm not mistaken, yeah. So how do you how do you think about that? Like, um, I guess. Why, why are you doing it? Like, how do you think about personal branding? And are there any sort of serendipitous benefits that you've experienced um, throughout the process of, you know, getting out there, getting your ideas out there? Yeah. So I started doing it in 2020 because I like talking to people and couldn't actually be around people. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, it kind of grew from there. It started as an experiment, you know, I'll post from time to time. Okay. I'll post from once, I'll post once a week. And I started connecting with people who I really, you know, initially just enjoyed. There was nothing that we were expecting to get from each other. It was just nice to talk to other, uh, largely in-house lawyers, but all sorts of people, um, other lawyers and people doing other things. And I really enjoyed that. Um, I have had so many opportunities come out of LinkedIn in a way that was never the intention when I started, but that has been just fabulous. So there's been things like, you know, because of LinkedIn, getting to do presentations for cool events, um, in-house connect has been one of the neat ones. I did a presentation for them a while ago. I'm going to do another podcast. It's fun. You know, it, I enjoy it. It kind of gets my name out there to the extent that's ever useful in the future. Mm -hmm. Um, and then the two big ones are, it's how I ended up on the board of Legal Mentor Network, um, mm -hmm. which is a nonprofit that I am on the board of where we connect mentors to mentees who might not otherwise have access to mentors or who need a different type of mentor. So for example, like law firm mentees who are thinking about leaving and don't want to mm -hmm. tell the people they work for that they're thinking about leaving. And then, you know, I would say it probably helped me get my current job. So. Mm -hmm. um, I met a woman named Margaret Garrity who read my resume when I was applying for a legal writing professor job. And I kept posting on LinkedIn after that. We kept in touch. She'd sometimes comment. And when her friend was looking for a lawyer who had business experience and was in-house, she was like, aha, <laughs> I know just the person. And so it wasn't that I got my job because of LinkedIn, but she was thinking of me and I was top of mind because yep. I'm regularly posting. Um, and I think something similar can happen for 
law firm lawyers. I mean, I think about the people who pop up in my feed regularly with great content and it can be, you know, directly on their subject matter expertise, or it can be a mix of that and kind of who they are as people, if I like them Mm -hmm. at least. Mm -hmm. Um, And I would, would go to some of those people. And that's, you know, part of how we ended up with um, Jamie, the trademark lawyer who we've been Mm -hmm. using. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right. Uh, That, those are all great examples and, and interesting to kind of unpack, you know, the, the benefits that you can't anticipate um, from just, you know, sharing one's ideas. And, and like you said, staying top of mind, that's, that's the nature of it. In your case, uh, the, it was the unpredictable job opportunity. In other cases, it's the unpredictable, like legal matter that, you know, there'll be, if you're, if you continually staying top of mind, um, you know, you're more likely to get a shot at that opportunity. And, you have to find some way to stay top of mind and, and LinkedIn, I think, or Twitter, or whatever, social media in general tends to be a good way to do it scale um, for, for many people. Um, Heather, I think maybe last topic here, um, you mentioned your uh, role with the legal legal mentor network. Uh, and so what have, I, know, I know that that's been a focus of yours uh, over the last few years, I've kind of observed from a distance. Um, what are some of the benefits that you've gotten as a mentor to younger lawyers? Like what I, I know, you know, there's obviously there's a lot of benefits that flow to the mentees, but I think, you know, if we're looking to have more lawyers um, do more mentorship um, out maybe and outside of their organization, which I think is kind sure. of the, the, the idea here. Um, like what, you know, what is, what are some of the uh, benefits that you've experienced through that process? Yeah. I mean, so the, the most obvious one is just that it feels really great when you can mm-hmm. uh, help somebody. But one of the more interesting ones has been seeing um, how simple it can be to kind of help or support a really junior lawyer and the learning what really junior lawyers might not know so that mm-hmm. I can make sure that the really junior lawyers around me, and that's less the case right now because the other people working with me have experience, but make sure that the really junior lawyers know to, for example, ask for an opportunity if they want it. You know, I had a mentee who said, I didn't know I could ask my company to pay my bar fees. Hmm. And I said, hmm, like they could say no, but of course you can. And so just being sure that I don't um, kind of lose track of what I once also didn't know because it's now been so long has been a huge one. Um, I have in some cases also learned about kind of just like trending ways of thinking about things from my mentees. You know, some of my earliest discussions on quiet quitting were with mentees and I um, I find it a, a fascinating subject and area. So just getting different perspectives, I think helps me be, be more intentional about what I do and how I approach my job. Um, plus, this is a truly unexpected one, but at one of our legal mentor network events, I was there as a mentor and a host, and I ended up meeting someone who connected me to someone who is now a mentor to me, a much more experienced lawyer. And so you never know when you do these things that are intended to help other people or even just networking events, um, what benefits might pop up, but that was never the goal. Um, yet it was pretty cool. Yeah, no doubt. It's interesting. I, I found you know kind of the idea that you are you get a window of understanding into 
um, you know, people who are younger than you and, and more junior to you uh, and and figuring out like, what do they know, not know, you know, like, how are they thinking differently about things? And, and it, I think that's, I think it's the curse of knowledge, right? As we, as we get more experience, we sometimes forget what it's like to be our former self in that sense. And, uh, and, you know, a lot, I, I oftentimes will hear lawyers kind of bemoaning the younger generations and not able to figure them out and that kind of thing. And I think that's a good, a good example. Well, just spend more time with them and have more conversations. Like you'll, you'll learn Absolutely. more about those people um, and what, what makes them tick. So if, if that's something that you're struggling with as a more senior lawyer, like spend more time with junior lawyers and talk to them. Um, cool. Well, Heather, uh, Thank you so much for joining us today. This is uh, really insightful for me and I'm sure for our listeners as well. Um, before we let you go, I uh, certainly will connect people in our show notes uh, to your LinkedIn profile. And I would encourage everyone to follow Heather on LinkedIn. She shares tons of great content. Um, anywhere else, maybe I, we could also link up the Legal Me Mentor Network, perhaps. Anywhere else you'd like us to point people to? Those would be the, the two great ones. Okay, fantastic. All right, well... Heather, again, um, thank you for a great conversation. Um, you know, we're recording this on the Friday before the 4th of July weekend. So I hope you have a, a great weekend and able to get some rest and relaxation. In. Thanks, Jay. Thanks for having me. Have a yeah. great weekend too. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Thought Leadership Project. For show notes, additional resources, and links to the tools discussed on today's episode, visit thethoughtleadershipproject.com.